0: Welcome to Redemption Church. You're listening to our weekly podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Well, all right, guys, here we go. It is week four. It's the last week of the book of Jonah. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. It's a short, helpful, insightful. It's been a very beneficial book and study for us because the book of Jonah, it's all about God's mercy and our mission. And we entitled the sermon series, We Are Jonah, because we're a lot more like Jonah than we would care to admit. And here's the reason that we are doing this study as a church is because I whole Heartedly, truly believe that God is moving us into a time and a season as a church where it's time for us to get out of our comfort zones, that God is opening up some new doors and some new opportunities. And ultimately, God, he wants us to reach the city. And that's what the book of Jonah is all about. It's about experiencing God's mercy and then living on God's mission. And the truth is redemption, that we have been shown amazing mercy, that God over and over again in the Life and the history of our church. He has been faithful, He has been gracious and God has been very merciful to us, not only individually but also corporately. And I believe that the reason that God shows us His mercy is because he wants us to live on His mission. And that's the whole book of Jonah. And so we see this in Jonah chapter one, when God calls Jonah. and the truth is God, he has also called us. that God calls Jonah and says, Jonah, you're my boy, you're the man, you're the job, you got the job right? Stand up, arise, and go to that city of Nineveh, because ultimately Jonah is about reaching the city. And so God calls Jonah, God calls you. And here's what Jonah does. Jonah, he runs away, right? Jonah, he runs in the total opposite direction of what God is wanting him to do. And that's the same thing that you and I do, that God calls and we, we run. And Jonah, he runs in the opposite direction, trying to flee from the Lord's presence. He boards a boat and he heads to a place called Tarshish. And that's when all of the trouble begins. He tries to flee from the presence of the Lord, but you cannot outrun God's love and you cannot create any distance away from God's presence. And God, he's going to hunt Jonah down. He's going to find him. God, he's going to get him. Now, Jonah, he is very stubborn. Jonah is stubborn. He's hard-headed. He's hard-hearted. He's rebellious. And he is um, relentless in his running away from the Lord. But God is relentless in his pursuing after Jonah. And so God, he sends a hurricane to catch Jonah's attention. Now, we're a little familiar with hurricanes, amen? Been through one or two of those. And so God, he's going to use this hurricane to be able to catch Jonah's attention. But Jonah, he's still not paying attention. And so everything just begins to fall down all around Jonah that his life, the ship begins to fall apart, his life begins to fall apart, Um, the waves and the winds are crashing, it's dark, it's difficult, it's painful, the sailors on the ship, they're fearful and they're afraid, they're freaking out, and so they go to throw Jonah overboard, and Jonah, he's thrown off the side of the ship, he begins to sink, he begins to drown, and then all of a sudden, whoop, He gets swallowed by a great big fish, okay? And many people are like, well, what about the fish? Do we believe in the fish? Do you want to talk about the fish? Okay, don't focus on the fish. The book of Jonah is not about a fish, right? The fish only has three verses throughout the entire book, okay? All the fish was is this. It's a vehicle that God uses to get Jonah from one place to the other that's it, right? All the fish is, is God's way to do a little work on Jonah so that God can do a work through Jonah. It's God's way of getting Jonah on mission to experience his mercy and to live on mission. Okay. And so Jonah, he, he gets his heart worked on by the Lord so that eventually God can begin to work through him. And in the fish, he prays three days, three nights, he prays. And then um, the fish vomits a up on dry land. And then Jonah gets up and then he walks the 500 miles to the city of Nineveh. Okay. And that's what we see in chapter three, that Jonah, he goes into the city of Nineveh. He stands up to the pulpit. He gets ready to preach and he preaches a five word sermon, five words. Some of you are wishing this one would be five words, but it's not Jonah. He preaches a five word sermon. And here's what it says in 40 days, you're all dead. That's it. Right. He just steps up and he's like, in 40 days, God's going to kill you all. The end. I'm out of here. Peace. And Jonah, he turns around and he just begins to walk away. Five words. Could you just imagine this? They're not even helpful words. There's no grace. There's no hope. There's no mercy. Pat yourself on the back because God loves you so much. No, five words In 40 days. God's going to set you all on fire. That's all that they get. And here's what the Bible says. And the Ninevites believed in God. It worked, right? Five words and it worked because those are God's words. And if those five words are God's words, then they're always going to work. And then a massive revival breaks out and 120,000 people begin repenting and praying and they all give their lives to the Lord. Could you just imagine what this would be like? Could you imagine if you woke up tomorrow and every single person you know in the city or in Southeast Texas, they woke up and they're like, you know what, I suck and I'm going to repent of my sins, give my life to Jesus, go down to the Christian bookstore, buy me a new Bible and find a new gospel Center church and then give the rest of my life to that. Could you just, could you just imagine what, what that would be like if every single person in our city got saved? But could you imagine that? I mean, this is why we do what we do, right? This is the reason that we planted our church. This is the reason that we pray and we fast. This is the reason that we love and we live and we give. This is the reason that we serve and we have members in our church. This is the reason that we tithe. This is the reason that we raise up new leaders. This is the reason that we launch new community groups. This is the reason that we show up and set up every single Sunday because what we want to see is a Jonah 3 revival happen in the city of Beaumont to where every single person in this city has a daily encounter with Jesus Christ word indeed that's what we want to see so what would it be if this happened what would you think what would you do would you be excited would you be glad would you be would you be happy that every person that you love and those who you don't know come to know the loving grace and mercy of God how would you respond Okay, hopefully you would respond a little bit different than Jonah. And that's where we find ourselves today. In Jonah chapter 4, we're going to see Jonah's response. Okay, Jonah preaches, the Ninevites repent, and then Jonah, he's going to respond. And so we're going to learn from a reluctant prophet and a very loving God. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 4, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to start in verse 1. Here's what we see. But, okay, Jonah preaches... The Ninevites, they repent, they they turn from their evil ways. And God, he relents from the disaster that he said he was going to do. And here's what Jonah's response, but it displeased Jonah. Jonah, he's upset about it. It displeased him exceedingly and he was angry. Can I tell you, this is not normal. This isn't normal. Okay, here's what every pastor does. They pray that their people would respond. Okay, That's what I was doing all this week as I was praying for you. I was praying, Lord, please let the word of God lay bare on the people's lives. Let them be receptive. Let their hearts be open. Father, let them respond. Let one person give their life to Jesus today. Let one person's marriage be restored. Let one person's addictions be broken, Father. Let one person find their identity in you. God, I will take anything. Just let people respond. They don't have to laugh at all my jokes, but maybe if they give an amen or a hallelujah, I don't care something, God, please let people respond. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for you. That's every pastor's prayer, but that is not Jonah's prayer. Jonah is the opposite. Now listen, Jonah is probably the most effective preacher in the history of the world. This is the largest revival in the Bible and probably throughout all of human history. I mean, 120,000 people got saved in a single day. Jonah is the most successful, effective preacher. I mean, he's better than Peter on Pentecost. He's bigger than Billy Graham. He's better than that um, guy with the mullet and the big smile who's on and He's bigger than all of those guys. Totally combined. 120,000 people saved in a single day. And here's Jonah's response. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Okay, and here's why. Because Jonah doesn't have the heart of God. See, the people respond, and Jonah's like, no, 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 you can't respond. Don't respond, right? What are y'all doing? Coming down. Every time I preach, the altars are filled. This is terrible, right? People come down, and they get forgiven, and they're praying, and they're crying. Get up off your knees. Why are you crying? There's no crying. You need to go to hell, right? I hate it when people get saved. Lord, you said destruction, and then you come and you deliver them? That's not the way that this is supposed to be. And Jonah, he's displeased, and he's angry because people are responding to the word of God. And the reason is because Jonah doesn't have the heart of God. That Jonah, he doesn't see people the way that God sees people. That Jonah, he doesn't see the city the way that God sees the city. And Jonah, he doesn't understand the heart of God. That his heart and God's heart, they are not aligned. And Jonah, he wrestles with the heart of God so here's how the story continues. So it exceeded, ex, Jonah was displeased exceedingly, and he was angry, and here's what you see, and he prayed to the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord, he said, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? Jonah says, hey, you know what, God? Like, do you remember back when I was in Israel? Right. Do you remember when I was the Hebrew and I was the prophet? Do you remember when life was perfect and everything was exactly the way that it was to be? I had a decent job, made some good money. Do you remember when I had that house? Do you remember back in Israel, right, when I was your prophet, when I was your guy? Do you remember what I said all the way back then, before the fish, before the hurricane, before the 500 miles walking through the desert, back in the good old days, back in the glory days, back when everything was perfect, me and you, we had this conversation. We've talked. About about this before, and here it says that Jonah is praying. Okay, but that doesn't really sound like a prayer, right? Jonah here, he's not praying. What he's actually doing is he's complaining. See, prayer is when you go to God to get God's heart. Complaining is when you just tell God whatever it is that you think he's supposed to do, right? Jonah here, he's not praying. He's actually complaining, but here's what I find so interesting. Okay, if you think back to chapter two, how long was Jonah in the fish before he began to pray? Three days. Right, He was in the fish for three days and then he prayed. Here, he doesn't even wait three minutes before he begins to complain. Okay, that's the same way in, in our life. Aren't we just like Jonah? Lord, I'm not going to pray to you. God, I'm not going to turn to you. I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to talk to you about this because I can do it my way and I don't want you to interrupt my life. And so I'm not going to pray to you. I'm not going to start my day in prayer. I'm going to wait three days before I ever come to you because I'm you know, I'm like Jonah. I don't want to pray. But the moment something doesn't go your way, that's the moment you, are to, you automatically begin to complain. You, you don't want to pray, but you love to complain. And the truth is, there's always something for you to complain about, especially if you don't have God's heart. And so what Jonah does is he he doesn't he prays, but he's really just complaining. And we wait three days, but we don't waste a minute before we begin to. Complain, And so he's praying to the Lord and he says, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. He says, this is the reason that I ran away in the first place. You said, go to the city. I didn't want to go to the city. You told me to go to Nineveh. I didn't want to go to Nineveh. I got on a ship. I was going to head to Tarshish. I was going to get as far and as fast away from you as possible. And here's the reason why. Because you are gracious. Right? Here's my problem with you, God. You're kind to people. You're nice to people. That's my problem with you. You show grace to others. And here's the reason why. Because Jonah, he didn't want those people to receive grace. That Jonah, he was unforgiving towards the Ninevites. And he knew that God was going to forgive him. And he didn't like that. His problem with God is that God was gracious towards others. Okay, we're four chapters into the story. And Jonah here, he still doesn't have God's heart. He says, I knew that you were a gracious God, for I knew that you were gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Here, Jonah doesn't have God's heart, but we do know that Jonah has God's ear. You can have God's ear and still not have God's heart. You can blame, you can criticize, you can argue, and you can even get angry at God, and you can yell and you can tell him exactly what you want. And in that moment, God will give you his ear because ultimately God wants to give you his heart. You can have his ear without having his heart. That's what Jonah does. And so here's what Jonah says in verse three. Therefore, now, O Lord, so he's going to tell God what to do. Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than it is for me to live. God, if you're not going to kill them, then you might as well kill me. You're like, wow, Jonah, this escalated quickly right? Jonah's like, God, if you're not going to kill the Ninevites, then you might as well kill me. Take my life for it's better for me to die than it is for me to live. Okay, Jonah, right? Tell us how you really feel. Jonah's getting very open and he's getting, he's getting very honest. And here's the deal. Jonah, he is angry and he is frustrated and he is, he is um, taking it out on the Lord. He's angry at God. How many of you in your life, you've become, or you have been angry at God? We're in church. It's okay. This is a safe place. Have you ever been angry at God? Okay. You can be frustrated. You can get bitter. You can, you can turn towards the Lord and you can say, when things don't go your way, it's God's fault. And then you become angry at God. That's, that's something that actually happens. And we we sit back and we say, we say, God, right? I thought you were a good God. Well, why is everything in my life so bad? You must not be very good. God, did you get off your throne? God, did you forget about me? Right, God, I keep telling you to do some things and then you don't do those things. I thought my life was supposed to get better and my life didn't get better. In fact, it actually got worse. God, I don't think that you know what you're doing because if I were you, then I wouldn't do it this way. And then we become angry at God. Anybody ever sympathize with Jonah? Any of y'all ever been angry at God? Okay, We can get angry at God, but there is a way for us to be angry and for us to not sin. Okay, Because the Bible says that in your anger, do not sin. It is possible for you to be angry because anger is an emotion. We're all going to get angry at times. But the question is this, what are you angry about? Right? Are you angry about the same things that God is angry about? If so, then yeah, you have the heart of God. Right? But if you get angry about things that God is pleased with, well, then you don't have God's heart. Okay, Jonah here, he's angry about things that God says is glad. If what breaks your heart also breaks God, then you share in the heart of God. So are you angry over war or injustice or violence? Are you angry over oppression? Are you angry over sin and unholiness? Are you angry about injustice? Are you angry about death? Are you angry about heartbreak? Are you angry about the things that God is angry about? Or are you angry about the things that God is glad for? See we can we will become angry but the question is what are we angry for Okay so here here when you get angry there's a couple of ways in which people respond Okay some people they go out Okay, they just freak out. They just blow up. They just get very loud. They type in all caps. Right, their face gets red. they got that little vein sticking out the side of their neck. Their teeth are clenched. Their fists are clenched. And they're yelling, and they're very loud. And you're like, that person is very angry. We can tell you're angry. right? We, we, we know that. And some people, when they get angry, they go, they go out. Other people, when they get angry, they go in. Okay, instead of going out, they go in. Instead of blowing up, they begin to self-destruct. That's what Jonah does. Jonah gets very angry and he says, "He says it is better for me to die than it is for me to live. Jonah, he goes in, he begins to self-destruct, he becomes very despairing. Okay, do you go out or do you go in? Either way, your anger reveals your heart. Your anger reveals your heart. What are you angry about? What are you frustrated about? Is it about things that God is frustrated over or is it just things that you're frustrated at God because? See, Jonah, he doesn't have God's heart. See, God is glad that the people repented. Jonah, he's angry. God is glad that the city has changed. Jonah, he's angry. God is glad that Jonah obeys and that Jonah is on mission. But Jonah, he's angry because he didn't want to obey and he didn't want to live on mission. Jonah's heart and God's heart, they are not aligned. And Jonah's anger turned inwards and he becomes very despairing. So let's do this. Let's see why Jonah is so upset. I mean, he says, it's better for me to die, right? Let's see why. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little open heart surgery on our boy Jonah. And then I want you to use this as a template and a model and guide to diagnose the root and the source of the problems of anger in your own life. Okay, so why is Jonah so angry? Well, first is this. Jonah thinks that God owes him. Okay, Jonah becomes... He becomes, he he thinks that God has become indebted or entitled towards him. Like God owes him something. And so Jonah, he goes to God and says, God, right, this is not the way that I wanted my life to be. Lord, I have done everything that you asked me to do. Back in Israel, I was your prophet. I was a Hebrew. God, I I went to Sunday school. I went to synagogue. I was there on the Sabbath. I even went into seminary. I went into ministry. God, this is not the way that my life is supposed to be. Lord, I have jumped through all of your hoops. I did everything that you asked of me. I thought my life would be differently. I'm a good person. God, you owe me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought that God owes you something that you tithe? Hey, God, why aren't you blessing my finances? God, you owe me. Have you ever thought that God owed you because you were baptized and you thought, oh, your life was supposed to be better and then it didn't get better that you take communion and you and your wife, you still fight, you join a community group and you still can't pay your bills and you look at it and say, God, I'm a good person. God, look at all of these things that I've done for you. God, you need to do some things for me. And he thinks that God owes him. Have you ever been there? Right? Have you ever thought that mm, God should be a little bit more um, understanding and a little bit more gracious and a little bit more accommodating for your plans for your own life? And you say, God, you owe me. Okay, if you get to that place where you think that God owes you, you will undoubtedly become angry for the wrong reasons because you have the wrong heart. See, God, He doesn't owe you anything. Right? That's kind of what it means to be God. Right? That you don't owe someone anything and everything we have is a gift that God graciously gives to us. But God, he does not owe you. And if you think that God owes you because you're a good person, you're missing the whole point. God is not indebted or entitled towards us. And that's why we become angry, because we don't have God's heart. So first, Jonah thinks that God owes him. Second, Jonah thinks that God's not fair. Have you ever thought, God, you're not fair? God, you're not being fair. How come you bless them, but you don't bless me? God, how come you're good to them, but in this moment, it doesn't seem like you're being good to me? Have you ever looked at other people's life and you thought, why is God blessing them? And how come he's not being good to me, right? Let's say you're in a community group and somebody's praying for a job and then all of a sudden they get a new job, a better paying job. And meanwhile, you're still stuck at your job. Do you get jealous? You look at them like, why do they get a new job? And why don't I get a new job? Right? Let's say you're in that same community group, and somebody gets a new car, and you still can't pay your bills, and then you get jealous. Or let's say you have, you know, you don't have kids, and you really want kids, and then somebody announces we're pregnant, and then you get to get jealous. Or let's say someone's married, and you're single, and you see that, and you're like, I, I wish that I was married. I wish that I had someone to spend my life with. I want to get married, and they're getting married, and then I become jealous. How many of you you have kids, and then somebody they don't have kids, and they get to go out, and you can't go out, and you look at them, and you're like, God, that's not fair. I don't want kids, maybe just for one night, but please, Lord, hire a babysitter. This is not fair. And then you get, you get jealous because, well, God's not fair, right? That's exactly what Jonah's doing. Jonah, he he comes to the Lord and says, God, this is not fair right? These people are bad people. They're wicked. They're evil. These are the Ninevites. They are our enemies. And the Lord, you're going to come and you're going to bless them and you're going to love them and you're going to forgive them and you're going to bring revival to their city. What about me? What about our people? What about my nation? What about Jerusalem? God, we've been over here for years and there's no revival in our nation. God, we've been over here for years and you haven't poured out your mercy upon us. God, why are you blessing them and you're not blessing us? God, this is not fair that you're going you're to send your, your, your repentance to them? God, what about me? How come I have to get swallowed by a fish? How come I have to walk 500 miles? How come I have to go through a hurricane? Lord, what about me? Have you ever prayed that way? Yeah, probably. Because we are like, Jonah, what about you? Right? By definition, Grace is unfair. Right, that's the way that this works. Right, God is unfair. God doesn't give you what you deserve. Praise God for that. Because here's what you deserve: you deserve wrath. You deserve death. That's what you've earned. All of your good deeds, you're a good person. Here you go. That's God's wrath. That's what you deserve, but that's not what God gives. See, here's here's how this works, okay? We become like Jonah when we become very judgmental, we want to sit up high and we want to pass judgment on other people. And the way this works is that you look at someone and you say, okay, they deserve wrath. But then you stand over here and you're like, no, 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 God, give me mercy. No, I want them to have wrath and I want to have mercy. And then whenever God shows mercy to all people, well, then we become, we become very frustrated, very angry. Well, because we think God's not fair. And the truth is, God's not fair. Like that's the way that all of this works. That God shows grace to them. God shows grace to you. God shows mercy to all. So Jonah, he's upset because God's not fair. And then number three, it says that God's not good. Now Jonah knows exactly who God is. There's no doubt about that. He, He tells us, he says, for you are loving and kind, you are gracious, you are compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Jonah, he tells us exactly who God is, but he's at a place where he just doesn't think that God's very good that he knows who God is. He, he, he grew up. He went to Sunday school. He has all the verses memorized that Jonah, he can walk us through systematic theology. Jonah can tell us exactly who God is, but at the heart of the matter, he doesn't know who God is because he still doesn't know God's heart. And what I find interesting here is that what Jonah does is he actually quotes a Bible verse. Okay, Jonah, he is angry, he is complaining, he is frustrating, and he is taking it all out on God. And the way that he does it is he actually quotes a a Bible verse. And I'll read it to you. It comes from Exodus um, 34, I believe. Whenever God reveals himself to Moses, God's nature, God's character, how God reveals himself to Moses and people on Mount Sinai. And this is what this is what God tells Moses. He says, for I am a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Okay, Jonah, he quotes it verbatim. This is the most quoted verse in all of your Bible. The one verse that shows up more than anything else over 20 times through the scriptures. This verse shows up and Jonah, he knows it. He has it memorized. He can quote it, but he just, he just doesn't, he just doesn't believe it. That he can quote the verse, but he still doesn't really understand the heart of God. And this is so important for us to understand here at Redemption. How many of you were raised in church? Right, you went to Sunday school, right? You were raised in the church. You went to Sunday school. You did the VBS. You went to summer camp, right? You were in Awanas. You got your little button badge because you memorized all of the Bible verses. And you know John three sixteen, and, and you know Philippians four thirteen. You know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You got it on a coffee cup. For I know the plans that I have for you, said the Lord. Right, and you you can know all of the verses, and you could be no different than Jonah. This is so, so, so incredibly important for us to understand, especially because we're in the Bible belt here in Southeast Texas. There's so many people who were raised in the church. They had praying grandparents and they, they went to some youth camp and conference, gave their life to Jesus, prayed the prayer at eight, and then they have no heart for God at all. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you have God's heart. Just because you sit here in these chairs week after week doesn't mean you have the heart of God. You can have good theology. Some people are like, well, I just believe the right thing. It's not about only believing the right things. It's not what you believe, but it's also how you live. It's not what you know. It's what you do with what you know. And you can have good theology and you can still have a bad heart. Jonah does. Jonah has great theology. He can tell us exactly who God is. God is gracious, God is compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. He has good theology, but he still has a rebellious heart. You can have good theology and still not have God's heart. And so Jonah, he is ultimately wrestling with the heart of God. That Jonah is angry about things that God is glad about. Jonah is frustrated at God's plan because it goes against his plan. And when Jonah doesn't get his way, Jonah, he becomes very angry. And it really is a wrestle between God's heart and Jonah's heart. So we're going to see how this plays out as the story continues. Okay, Verse 4, And the Lord said, Okay. God's going to come and he's going to talk to Jonah. Do you do well to be angry? Okay. God, it comes up to Jonah. It's like, okay, Jonah, you're really upset. I can tell you're upset, right? Everybody around here knows that you're upset. Oh, you want to die. Okay, Jonah. right. Let's talk about this. Let's think about this for a sec. Do you do well to be angry? Okay. Yeah, you're angry, but let me ask you this. Does that help? Has your anger helped you at all? right? Has it, has it caused you to be a better person? Has it caused you to see the glory of the Lord? Has it, has it caused you to help other people? Is your anger helping you or are you just holding it on and becoming bitter? God comes up to Jonah and says, is this anger helping you? Do you do well to be, to be angry? Okay. God comes up to Jonah. Here's what Jonah's doing. Jonah is throwing a fit. Okay. How many of you have ever seen a kid throw a fit? Okay, how many of you ever seen a kid, right? And then they throw a fit, right? Yesterday I was at the Children's Museum. Uh, they had the dinosaur day and there was like a thousand kids and everybody's running around like crazy. And then one kid falls on the floor and he just starts yelling and screaming, total nuclear meltdown. And everybody around there is, is looking And you're like, don't look, don't look. But it's it's noticeable, it's awkward, and it's hilarious. But you're not supposed to look. Okay, that's what Jonah is doing. We're going to watch Jonah throw a big fit. He's basically having a temper tantrum. And parents, okay, my little girl, she's two. Um, she's entering into the terrible two. So I'm right there behind you. So if you have any prayers, any tips, I would definitely appreciate it. And whenever I see her and she starts crying, I'm like, you are Jonah, right? Throwing a big fit. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then God comes to him and God loves him and God talks to him and says, Jonah, use your words. Okay, tell me, tell me, does it do well for you to be angry? Jonah, he's throwing a fit. He's having a little temper tantrum. So here's what Jonah does. Jonah went out of the city. Jonah doesn't even answer God. God's like, hey, Is this helping you? And Jonah's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm out of here, right? I'm leaving. You can't tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? God, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to listen to you, right? And I'm just going to leave. That's what he does. He just goes and pouts. Okay, he he just leaves. God says, Hey, Jonah. And Jonah's like, Don't talk to me. And then he just leaves. And he goes out of the city. The story continues. And he sat to the east of the city and he made himself a booth, okay? So that's like a tent. He made a tent for himself there, and he sat under in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Here's what Jonah does, all right? Jonah, he goes up to the top of a mountain outside of the city. And he makes himself a little tent. So we've got the tent, maybe a little fire. And then he grabs himself a chair, and he sits down overlooking the city of Nineveh. And he just waits, and he just watches to see what's going to happen. Because here's why. Jonah knows that God said, in 40 days, you're all going to be destroyed. Jonah liked that. He's like, in 40 days, you're all going to be destroyed. Okay, And then the people repented. Oh no, God forgave them. I guess they're not going to get destroyed anymore. But... I got 39 more days there's 39 more days to see maybe possibly their repentance wasn't real, that they weren't truly genuine and they're going to go back to their old life. They're going to go back to their old ways. And when they do, then I'm going to be right. God's going to be wrong. And he's going to have to send a fireball from heaven all the way down. It's the 4th of July. It's New Year's Eve all rolled into one. There's so much explosions. It's like a Michael Bay film. It's going to be incredible as I watched them all be murdered murdered. And so Jonah sits there and he waits for 39 days until God comes and destroys the city. I mean, this is Jonah's heart, right? And so here's what Jonah does. Jonah goes up to the mountain and he grabs himself a chair Um, and grab this chair right here. And Jonah, he kind of sits the chair down right here on top of the mountain. And he sits down in the chair overlooking the city and he waits for 39 days, waiting, watching to see God destroy everyone. He wants front row seats to watch this spectacle and fireworks display. And so Jonah, he sits there for for 39 more days. And here's here's what God does. And this is what I love so much. Jonah's angry. He's frustrated. And then God says, you know what, Jonah, I love you. I'm going to cause a plant to grow right over the top of your head. Because it's hot outside and I'm going to give you shade while you sit there and wait for me to kill everybody. (laughs) He says, here you go. Here's a nice little plant growing right over the top of your head because I love you and I want you to know that I can deliver you from your discomfort. That the anger that you have, I can deliver you from that. The bitterness and resentment that you have, I can take that away. That if you get my heart, I'll give you my heart. And so God, He provides a shade tree for Jonah. And so here's what I think God's doing. I think, I think God's trying to get Jonah's attention. God will do that to us. God will, God will do something in our lives because He wants us to notice. He's trying to get our attention. And I think God's saying, Jonah, I've been so good to you. I've been so merciful to you over and over again throughout the book. I mean, I called you. I didn't have to call you. I could have called somebody else, but I, I called you. God says, you know what, Jonah? I could have let you drown. I didn't have to save you. You could have drowned. But instead, I, I sent the fish and I turned the worst day of your life into the greatest miracle you have ever seen. That I, I can do those things. I can rescue you. I can deliver you. I've done it. And I've done it time after time again. I have been so merciful towards you. So I'm going to try to catch your attention one more time to show you my mercy. How many times has God been merciful towards you? And the moment something goes wrong, you want to blame him. Think about your life. Think about how many times in your life God has shown up, that God has done amazing things, but the moment you don't get your way, you want to blame him. You forget God's mercy in the past. That's exactly where Jonah's at. Jonah forgot about the call. Jonah's forgot about the fish. And all he keeps thinking about is his bitterness. And I think that God's trying to get his attention one more time and says, Jonah, I love you. Here's a little plant. Because I can deliver you from your discomfort. If you let go of your anger, I'll give you my heart. But, Jonah. Right? So how's Jonah going to respond? Now, you would think that this would be the best place for the story to end, right? You'd think, what a great ending. Jonah sits down. He's like, I really don't like those people. God causes a plant to grow. And he's like, you know what, God? You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I'm being totally ridiculous. Right? I repent the end. Everybody goes home. It's a good story, right? No. Right? That's not how it ends. The story, it continues. But when dawn came up the next day, so Jonah, he got some shut-eye. Right? Goes to sleep, wakes up, wipes the crust out of his eyes, and he looks over the city. Dang it, they're all still there. Right? God hasn't killed them just yet, but I still got 39 days, and I'm going to sit here in my chair and enjoy this lovely plant while I wait for God to kill everybody. So here's Jonah. Um, the dawn came up the next day, and God appointed a worm. Okay, I need you, <laughs> this is funny. God appointed a worm that attacked the plant. So that it withered. Sorry, I skipped verse 6. Verse 6 So Jonah, how's his response? Was exceedingly glad because of the plants. Okay, he's not glad at what God provides, he's only glad for the plants. He's like, this is a great plant. I love this plant. It's the best plant in the history of plants. What a plant. What a plant. What a mighty, mighty good plant. Like, this is the plant. He loves the plants. He's obsessed with the plants. He really likes the plants. Like, thank you, God, for giving this plant while I wait for everybody else to die. Okay, here. Okay. So when we read the book of Jonah, everyone's like, what are you going to teach about the fish? Did the fish really happen? I don't know. I don't believe in God because of the fish. Nobody talks about the plant. Like the plant gets no love except for from Jonah, apparently, but nobody's like, I don't believe in God because of the plant. Cause a plant to grow miraculously in a single moment. Pfft. Okay. This is kind of funny. I need you to see just how, just what God is, is doing here. Um, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. Jonah's overlooking the city. God, I can't wait till you destroy all those people, but I've got my nice little tree here. What's that? A worm? plant falls over, right? The plant is dead. Jonah wants God to destroy the city, but instead God destroys the plant. Like, God, you missed the city by uh, this much, right? Right? You want to kill the city, but instead you killed the plant. God, you're not listening to me. Okay, Jonah wants God to destroy them, but then instead he destroys this this plant. No more plant. No moss plant. The plant is dead. Okay, here's what God is doing, I think. Okay, I think God is trying to show Jonah just how ridiculous he's being. I think God is picking on Jonah. I think God is kind of messing with him. You know, God sometimes messes with us. Okay, now it's never to hurt us. It's always to help us. And right here, God is trying to help Jonah by giving him an object lesson so that way he can show him his heart. Okay, that's what, what God's doing. So here's what happens next. When the sun rose... Okay, so it's the middle of the day now. There's no more plants. God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head. So Jonah's sitting there. He's like, I'm not getting up out of my chair, right? You can do whatever it is that you want. And then God's like, man, this guy sure is stubborn. It looks hot outside, so let me crank up the temperature a little bit. Put the sun right over the top of his head and then scorching east wind. That'll make him feel pretty good, right? right? We're from Texas. Okay. So just imagine you're outside June, July, August, and you're sitting outside for 39 days. Okay. And the sun is beating down on you. You're hot, you're nasty, you're sweaty. You got a sunburn. Okay. After an hour outside, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going in, um, where there's air conditioning, cool water and Grey's Anatomy. I'm out of here. Right? I'm just going to go in. God, you win. I lose. It is hot. But that's not what Jonah does. Jonah says, God, you can, you can do whatever you want. Right? You can, you can kill the plant. You can send a worm. You can have a scorching east wind. I'm not getting up on my chair. You can kill me for all I care. I'm going to sit here. And Jonah's very defiant towards the Lord. Right? This is, this is who Jonah is. Okay? I know we call the series, We Are Jonah. Right? But this is how Jonah is. And here's what he says. It got to the point to where he became faint. And he said, uh, he asked if I might die and said, it is better for me to die than it is for me to live. We're almost at the end of the book. Okay. We only got a few verses left, right? This is not the way we think stories are supposed to end. Amen. Right. How many of you are told stories end and they lived happily ever after. Okay. And here's what we get with Jonah. It's better for me to die. It doesn't seem like it's going to end very well, Right. Right? When we start the book, and we're like, God's mercy, and then we close it with, it's better for me to die. Yeah, it's, it's not going to end very well. And instead of, and they live happily ever after, here's what, we, here's what we end up with. We get Jonah and God sitting down on top of a mountain, having a fight. That Jonah is fighting with God. Jonah is angry at God, because he still doesn't have the heart of God. And so God and Jonah, they get in a fight. And here's what they're fighting over. It's really who gets the last word. It's really a fight over who gets the final say. It's really a fight over the issue of God's sovereignty. See, that word sovereignty is very, very, very important for us to understand. Okay, sovereignty means ultimate authority. Right? Who's the boss? Who's in charge? Who's the king? Who gets to sit in the chair? See, Jonah, he's sitting in his chair overlooking the city trying to tell God what he should do. Meanwhile, God's sitting in his chair. It's called a throne. Up in heaven overlooking Jonah telling Jonah what it is that he's supposed to do. Does God have the right to speak into your life? Does God have the right to move you, to tell you does God have the right to be Lord over you? See, Jonah, he's wrestling with God's sovereignty. And Jonah, he doesn't want to obey. Have you noticed that in this book, everything obeys God? Like literally everything. The storm, the ship, the ship says, I'm going to fall apart under God's glory. The, The ship, an inanimate object, obeys God. So the storm, the ship, the fish, the plants... The worm and the wind, everything obeys the word of the Lord. The only thing that doesn't obey the word of the Lord is Jonah. Do you obey God's word? When God speaks, do you run or do you listen? Do you submit to the authority of God's word for your life? See, Jonah, he knows it, he just doesn't like it. He knows who God is. He just doesn't like what God does because Jonah wants to sit in the chair. Jonah wants to sit high and exalted and tell God the way that God should be when really it's God who sits high and exalted and tells us who we should be. So my question for you is who gets to sit in the chair? Who gets to sit as the Lord of your life? Is it you or is it God? Who gets the last word? Who gets the final say? Is it you or is it God? Redemption, I'll tell you this. I've been a Christian now for almost 15 years. Me and God, we have had a lot of fights. God has done things in my life that I didn't know what it was He was trying to prove. There's been times I've been discouraged. There's been times I have been very despairing. But in 15 years of following Jesus, his mercy has never run out. And though I don't understand everything, what I can tell you is this, I have learned to trust him in anything. It's scary. And I'm uncertain a lot of times. But God has never disappointed me. God has never abandoned me. And God has never forgotten me. And so for you, wherever you're at, here's what I want you to know. Get out of your chair because it doesn't belong to you. So I've learned to get out of my chair. Hopefully we can learn to do the same. Jonah, Jonah doesn't though. Jonah doesn't get out of the chair, right? Jonah, he stays there. I mean, this is a really interesting story, okay? Um, whenever we were starting the series, they're like, Jonah, right? There's so many crazy things that happens in this book, right? It, it really is interesting. And so here's, here's what happens next. Okay, Jonah says that it is better for me to die than it is for me to live. And then verse nine, but, but God said to Jonah, okay, this is pretty cool, right? I want you to think about this. God speaks again to Jonah, right? God comes back to him and he talks to him again. How many of you right now, you would have given up on Jonah. You're like, Jonah, you're being ridiculous. You're being silly. You can sit there in that chair and you can pout outside in the sun all day for all I care, but I'm leaving. How many of you by now, you would have given up on Jonah? Okay. Well, God, he doesn't give up on Jonah and God. He also doesn't give up on us that God comes back to Jonah and he's going to talk to him one more time he says Jonah you're angry you're upset let's let's have a conversation about this let's let's talk about this because God is a good father and he wants to talk to Jonah and he says do you do well to be angry same question right God's going to ask you the same thing again and you're going to be like are we still talking about this and God's like yeah we're still talking about this why are we still talking about this because you still haven't done this God comes back to Jonah again, and he says, are you still angry for the plant? And Jonah says, yes, I do well to be angry. I'm angry enough to die. I'm so angry. I want to die. Right? Did you do anything for the plant? Did you like the plant? I love the plant. That's an amazing plant. That's my plant. I earned that plant. I want that plant. God, why did you come and kill the plant? You plant murderer? God, why would you do that? Right? You should just kill me instead. Kill me. Kill me dead. Go ahead. I dare you. Kill me now. Like that's, that's Jonah. Okay. True or false? Jonah, Jonah is not the hero of the story. Amen? Right, you're reading about Jonah, and you're like, we are Jonah. Hey, wait a minute, right? It, it's, he doesn't look very good in the story because he is not the hero. He's not someone that we want to care or to emulate our lives after. Okay, here's, here's why Jonah's mad. He's angry at God, one, because he wants God to kill the city. And then he's angry at God, number two, because God, he kills his plants. Okay, kill the city, but don't kill the plant. Here's my question for you. Do you love things or do you love people? Are you more concerned with things than you are concerned about people? See, God, He cares about people and Jonah, He cares about things. See, God's heart is for people, but oftentimes our heart is towards things. That we get consumed and focused on small things in our life that hold no temporal value when people hold a great place in God's heart because they have an eternal value. Do you care about people or do you care about things? You're welcome. I got you. Here, the story continues. And the Lord said, Jonah, you pity the plants. Okay, you love the plant. You have a lot of compassion for the plants. You're emotionally attached to the plant. Okay, we get it. You like the plant. You pity the plant. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came to being in a night and it perished in a night. Okay, Jonah, here's the plant. You like the plant. You didn't earn it. Right? You didn't plant it. You didn't water it. You didn't nurture it. You didn't cause it to grow. I did those things. I gave you the plant. And you like it when I give you gifts. You just don't like it when I give gifts to other people. And Jonah, he's freaking out about the plant. But all this is is an object lesson that God is using to catch Jonah's attention so that way Jonah can get God's heart. And here's, here's the bottom line. The last verse of the book, Jonah's freaking out. He pities the plant. And verse 11, and should not I pity Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left. And also, I love this, and also so much cattle. Right? God's like, Jonah, right? You're freaking out about the plants, right? Why are you still talking about the plant? But Jonah, what am I going to do with all those cows? what about the cows, Jonah? I mean, if I just set everything on fire, that's way too much barbecue. Texans won't be around for another 2,000 years. What are we going to do with all those cows? If we burn it real slow, maybe we could have brisket, but PETA is going to be so upset with us. If I just kill all the cows, Jonah, God's like Jonah. Okay. You're being ridiculous. I think God's trying to tell Jonah, you're being so selfish. You're being so stubborn. You're being so silly. You're so upset about a plant and you don't care about people because you don't have my heart. You're so worried about things, you're missing the point. My heart is for people. You pity the plant, but I love the city of Nineveh. And really what God is trying to show Jonah is He's trying to say, Jonah, lighten up. You need to have my heart. And God's heart is for the city. He says there's 120,000 people down there. Just go ahead and look at them. They don't know their right hand from their left. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. They're separated from me. They're morally, spiritually bankrupt. They don't know who I am. They don't know what I can do. They don't know that I'm loving and gracious and merciful and I'm compassionate and that I'm slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and I'm relenting from disaster. Jonah, they don't know me, but you do. You know exactly who I am, and you should know better because you should know my heart by now. That my heart is and has always been for people. And you pity the plant, and you feel sorry for yourself, and you're angry at me. You haven't learned anything because you still don't have my heart. God's heart is for the city. God says, I love the city of Nineveh. I love the people in the city of Nineveh. I have a plan for the city of Nineveh. And I would submit to you that God has a plan for our city. Nineveh is 120,000 people. Beaumont is also 120,000 people. Beaumont is our Nineveh. And God knows the name of every single person in this city. God knows your name. God knows your name. God knows your name. God knows your name. But he also knows their name. That God loves them like he loves you. God cares for them like he cares for you. God has mercy towards you and he wants you to show his mercy towards others. That there are people in this city that God loves and desires and wants to see come to know Him. They're your next door neighbors. They're at the gym. They're at your grocery checkout line. They teach your children kindergarten. They're your college classmates. They're your coworkers. They're even your boss. They know. They do not know. And God knows. And God wants them to come to know who He is and experience His, His mercy. Because God's heart is and has always been for the city. Now, when I moved here four years ago, I was more like Jonah. I didn't have God's heart for the city. My heart for the city of Beaumont was like, God, I'm getting out of here. You can set this place on fire for all I care. I'm leaving. Right. My biggest dream growing up was to leave as fast as possible. If there was a fireball that happened, well, then it might make the city look a little bit better. That was my heart for many years. It was a bad heart. It was a wrong heart because I still didn't have God's heart. And when I moved back to the city, I became very angry with God. I was like, God, you owe me better than this. Lord, I've devoted my life to ministry. I I, I serve you. I need to go somewhere else. Lord, why would you call me to be back home? Because I was cared about my life more than I was cared about the lives of others. I cared about my wants more than I cared about God's wants. And I still didn't see the city the way that God sees the city. I had a heart just like Jonah, and I became angry with God. Because God wanted me to be back here in Beaumont. But as I was praying this week, I felt like the Lord really showed me something. That Jonah, in one sense, had 40 days to see his ministry come to completion. Now it was a negative ministry, of course. Right? It it didn't go very well. It wasn't a, a good ministry. He wanted to see everybody destroyed. That was that was Jonah. But as I was praying, I, I really feel like the Lord showed me that in a positive sense, Jonah had 40 days, but I have 40 years. I have 40 years to see this church grow. I'll be 33 next week. And if I make it to the end, it'll be about another 40 years before I retire. My prayer is that I see Jonah 3 before the day that I die. That's my heart for this city. That's my prayer for this church. My prayer is I long to love this city the way that God loves this city. But I don't want to be like Jonah anymore. I want to have God's heart. I want to see this city the way that God sees this city. Now, my dream has changed. Okay, Here's my new dream. I dream of a Jonah 3 revival in the city of Beaumont. I dream of a day where there's a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where 120,000 people, every single man, woman, and child has an experience with Jesus Christ, His people, and word and deed. I long to see the day where the city of Beaumont is on its knees repenting and praying and experiencing the presence of God. That's why we planted this church. That's why we love. That's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we do the things that we do because God can do things that we can only dream possible for him to do. That's my heart now. That's what I'm going to give the rest of my life to. And that plan is bigger than anything I could come up with. That plan is greater than anything I could imagine. And so for the next 40 years redemption, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to pour myself out to see Jonah 3 happen in the city. To see revival come and to see a city transformed and a people changed by the power of the word of God, that's what I'm going to give my life to. I long to see Jonah three. My heart has changed. Do you think Jonah's heart ever changed? Do you think Jonah ever like got off that mountain and was like, you know what? I'm being ridiculous, right? God, you're right. I'm wrong. Lord change my heart. Do you think Jonah's heart ever changed? Okay. Actually, I think that it did. I think that Jonah's heart changed because Jonah, he writes, he writes this book. Now commentators, they debate about who the author of the book of Jonah is. Some people say it was a scribe, right? which probably might be possibly true. But I actually think that it's an autobiography. I actually think that Jonah, he sat down and he wrote this book because he wants us to, to learn from him. Because who else would have known what his prayer was in the fish? right? Jonah would. So Jonah, he tells us about the worst day of his life. Who else would have known about him and God fighting on the mountain? Well, nobody did. Jonah, he told us. And I think that Jonah, at the end of his life, he sat down, he got very honest, he was very open, and he wants you to know that, yeah, I'm not perfect, and there's some things that I wrestle with as well. Now, at the end of his life, he writes the book of Jonah, so that way we can learn God's mercy, we can learn from his mistakes, and we can get up and we can live our life on mission. I think Jonah is sharing the parts of his life that nobody ever wants to talk about because he wants us to learn so that way we can experience God's mercy, learn from his mistakes, we can get on mission, and we can make a difference in this city. So it took a while for my heart to change. It took a while for Jonah's heart to change. But hopefully at the end of this series, your heart will begin to change. Have you experienced God's mercy? Yes. Has God been gracious and faithful, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster towards you? Yes. And if you've experienced God's mercy, then it's time for you to live on God's mission, to stop worrying about plants and start praying and worrying and caring and loving and serving other people, because that's God's heart. So, how do we get God's heart? Well, the only way to get God's heart is to give your heart to Jesus. See, Jesus comes about 800 years after Jonah and he begins preaching and teaching and he runs into very religious people, a lot like Jonah and a lot like us, who can quote all the Bible verses. And they have a very stringent plan about how things are supposed to be and how things are supposed to go. And then Jesus comes and he messes up all their plans. Jesus shows up and they're like, Jesus, you don't do it our way. Jesus, you don't do it the right way. Jesus, what are you doing hanging out with those people? You need to be with these people. And the religious people, they become very angry at Jesus because Jesus claims himself to be God. And so Jesus, he gets in a fight with the Pharisees and the Pharisees are like, well, if you really think you're God, then you would prove yourself. You'd perform a miracle. You'd do a trick. So Jesus, what are you going to do? Well, Jesus, he comes and he preaches, and this is what Jesus preaches, and he says this, but he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to them except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. Did Jonah really happen? Jesus says it did. What about the fish? Jesus says, yep, the fish, the wind, the worm, the tree, all of that, it totally happened. Jesus believes in Jonah, and Jesus teaches out of the book of Jonah. And here's what he says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It all points to Jesus. Jesus is the point. The men of Nineveh, Okay. That's the 120,000 people who repented the great revival. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgments with this generation and they will condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Did you know that when you get to heaven, there's going to be Ninevites there? Did you know that? Like when you get up to heaven, there's going to be a whole section of Ninevites worshiping Jesus. Could you imagine what this would have been like for Jonah? Right, Jonah's showing up in heaven. Hey, what's up, God? What's that over there? Oh, that's the Ninevites. Wow, they're here too. Oh yeah, they're here too. Right, and he walks up to the Ninevites and he's like, "Hey guys, good to see you again. Glad you made it. Uh, That was some sermon, right? Uh, Did you read that book I wrote? They're like, Yeah, I read that book. Right, the part about the fish, right? Oh, we read the end too." Oh, you saw the part where I wanted you all to be murdered? Yeah, we saw that. But God is so good, isn't he? Amen, right? This is Jonah. But did you know that when you get to heaven, there's going to be people there as well? There's going to be people there that you spent your whole life trying to avoid. There's going to be people there that God loves and that God cares for. There's going to be people there that you don't even know. There's going to be people there and there are the people that you walk past every single day. They're the people you drive past. They're the people that, 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 you, that you see every single day. And God is wanting to use you to reach one more. God is wanting to show his mercy and mission through you so that way one more can be saved, one more can be reached, one more can be baptized, one more can find hope and grace and mercy, that one more person would come to know the good news of Jesus. That's what we do That's why we do what we do, because that is God's heart. How do we know? Because something greater than Jonah has come. That Jesus is greater than Jonah. Jonah. And here's how Jesus is greater than Jonah. That Jonah was angry to see people saved, but Jesus is glad when people get saved. That Jonah hated the Ninevites, but Jesus, he loves the whole world. Jonah wants destruction for the city, but Jesus wants revival for the city. Jonah flees from God's presence, but Jesus brings God's presence. Jonah blames God, and on the cross, Jesus takes our blame. Jonah had compassion for a plant but Jesus has compassion for a people. Jonah, because of his heart, he wanted to die, but Jesus, because of his heart, Jesus died for us. That Jesus leaves heaven and enters into this world. That Jesus, he takes on our shame. He takes on our blame. That Jesus comes, and just as Jonah was in a fish for three days and for three nights, Jesus lives the perfect life, the life without sin, the life that you could not live. That Jesus goes to the cross, trades places, with us. He is crucified, dead, buried in the grave for three days and three nights. Jesus resurrects, conquering Satan, sin, hell, death, and the grave. He takes everything that you have earned, he strips it away from you, and he gives you what you deserve. Not what you deserve, but what he has given you as a sign of his grace and his mercy, and it's because of Jesus. And every single year on the holiday called Yom Kippur, the Hebrew people they gather together in the synagogue and the priest reads through the entirety of the book of Jonah. And as they read through Jonah, the priest and the people say in unison, we are Jonah. And so let's try that together, redemption. On the count of three, we're gonna say, We are Jonah. Okay, one, two, three. We are Jonah. Let's do it again. We are Jonah. We are Jonah. We are. Jonah. We are Jonah. That God called Jonah, and God calls us. God delivers Jonah, and God, he delivers us. God saved Jonah, and God, he saves us. That God meets with Jonah, and God, he meets with us. God brings his presence to Jonah, and God gives his presence to us. God listened to Jonah's prayers, and God listens to our prayers. God doesn't condemn Jonah, but God doesn't condemn us. God does and give up on Jonah, and God, he does not give up on us. God has a purpose for Jonah, and God has a purpose for us. God had a mission for Jonah, and God, he has a mission for us. We are Jonah, and God has been merciful towards us. And redemption, if you've experienced God's mercy, he wants you to live on his mission. And so wherever you're at, whatever you've gone through, no matter how far you have run, no matter what you have done, I want you to know this, that God's heart is bigger, God's heart is greater, God's heart is better, God's heart is for you, God's heart is towards you, and if you give God your heart, God will give you his. So we're going to respond today to the word of the Lord. Some of you need to go and repent and pray and get alone with God. Others of us, we need to stand and worship and sing this great Lord and Savior who delivers us, but whatever it is, it's time for us to respond to the word of the Lord, because we are Jonah, and God, he meets with Jonah. Redemption Church meets every Sunday morning on Crockett Street at the gig. If you would like to know more, you can find us online at www.redemptiontx.com, or join us for one of our two services at 930- or 1115 a.m. Sunday mornings in downtown Beaumont. Kids are welcome too. We are Redemption, and we would love to meet you.